Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Appropriate Omnivore on the new Green Earth Radio. We've got a great show for you today. Our guest is Jason Jones of Vital Farms. Plus, our desserts will tell you what to do during Earth Week. But first, let's go to appetizers and find out what happened this week in the world of real food. U.S. Secretary of Agriculture Kathleen Mirgan says that as Americans, farmers, and ranchers are getting older, there are less people waiting to take their places. Now, I see young people and new farmers as a great way to change the current agriculture system. With young adults starting small farms, we have the chance to put more local and organic options out there. Next, the NOAA Fisheries Service has found that three common pesticides used for lawns and farm fields endanger the lives of West Coast salmon. NOAA has suggested creating no-spray buffer zones to save the lives of the salmon which are protected by the Endangered Species Act. I'm sure most people associate pesticides with harming the insects found around the plants that are growing. But this right here shows that other wildlife can be affected too, and it's all the more reason to go organic. Also, the University of Pittsburgh ecologist Rick Relea has found Monsanto's weed killer Roundup, the most commonly used herbicide, has lethal effects on tadpoles in ponds near the farm where chemicals are sprayed and also can change the shape of tadpoles. This news comes in a timely manner for Californians, as currently there's a ballot initiative to have GMOs labeled in the state, and in our dessert section, we'll be telling you how you can go about signing this ballot. And lastly, the Farm to Consumer Legal Defense Fund is asking Virginia Federal District Judge Mark Bennett to reconsider his ruling from March 30th. Judge Bennett had issued an order to dismiss the Legal Defense Fund's lawsuit against the FDA to lift the interstate commerce ban on raw milk. The Legal Defense Fund has now filed a motion to have Judge Bennett amend his judgment with respect to the buyer's and dairy farmer that filed this suit along with the Legal Defense Fund. While the case was dismissed, we have to look at the moral victories that this has accomplished. The FDA has said on public record that they won't take action against individual consumers crossing the state lines to purchase raw milk. We now know that the FDA doesn't believe citizens have any fundamental rights to choose what they want to feed their bodies. And lastly, the FDA was forced to give its interpretation of how they would apply the law to an agent for consumers crossing state lines to buy raw milk and to a farmer selling to the people from out-of-state consumers and their agents. And now for our main course, which today is pastured eggs. I've talked countless times on this program about the need for pastured beef, but being raised on pasture is important for all animals. Eggs are found in so many foods, and they can be eaten on their own as well. Eggs also are consumed by most vegetarians in addition to omnivores. By now, most people are probably familiar with the term free-range. But what most people don't know is that free-range is such a broad term. It can simply mean that the chickens have access to the outdoors, but never leave the cramped areas they're living in. Because free-range doesn't accurately define what condition the chickens live in, a more accurate and growing term that's being used in real food is pasture-raised. Pasture-raised means the hens live, roam, and forage on the grass outside. In addition to pastures being the best environment for the chickens to be raised in, they also produce the healthiest eggs. Egg yolks should have a yellow-orange color, but yolks from factory farm eggs are just yellow. Pasture, pastured poultry also has an orangish color, which means more carotenes and higher level of fat-soluble vitamins. Here to talk with me about pastured eggs is Jason Jones of Vital Farms. Vital Farms has a five-egg rating from Cornucopia, they also make the list in the Weston A. Price shopping guide. They make specifically their best list. And they're the eggs that are used by yours truly, the appropriate omnivore. Well, Jason, it's great to have you here. Aaron, it's our pleasure. Thanks for having us. Thanks. I'm glad. I really appreciate it. You know, you're able to fit into uh, your time uh, to appear on the show. We first met at the, at the Natural Products Expo a few weeks ago and got to meet people from Vital Farms uh, face-to-face, which was wonderful. I mean, it's great. Um, like, you know, it's always great to meet, actually, um, you know, not just to go out and, you know, choose the most sustainable products, but to, to meet the people that, that provide these products, know your supplier. 
Yeah, it was a, uh, a neat experience for us, too. It was our first time to go to the Expo. And I'll tell you, what a show it is. It's, uh, the scale of it is um, pretty amazing. Um, and it was neat for us to be there as, I guess, more of a farm or a, not that we consider our eggs a commodity, but, you know, a commodity-type producer um, in, a, in a vast sea of packaged and processed goods. So uh, hopefully we stood out a little bit in a good way. I think so, and I think it was good that they had you in the in the hot product section. That was really good place for it, because um, that was where really I think a lot of the ones that fit most of the uh, the current trends and and things in the real food that are you know like you know like it says that they're hot. That that was a good place to be discovered. Yeah, there were a lot of young companies like us, um, kind of at the uh, on the bleeding edge of different trends in uh, you know food production and. And, uh, yeah, it was exciting. It was neat to be down there, and it's kind of a little uh, basement area. Um, there's a lot of multimillion-dollar displays there at that trade show, and we were pretty much the opposite of that. <laughs> we may as well have had hay bales and uh, chickens on the floor, but uh, it was it was a lot of fun, and it was good to meet you, and I made a lot of other good contacts to hopefully get a little little buzz out of it. Right, and that is a good point that you bring up because we've certainly talked about that on this show and as well as other shows on Green Earth Radio about how, I mean, you know, the event, it is called the Natural Products Expo. So it's kind of broad in terms of, you know, what is a, a natural product. And, yeah, I mean, there are some big corporations. I mean, even even some of these big ag companies have these divisions of, of products like Kraft has Back to Nature. And so certainly, you know, there are a lot of big organics, these, you know, giant companies that say organics. Or, I mean, some of them... They're not even organic. They just say, you know, they just say like uh, like the event says natural. So it is great that we have some actual farms that are at the event. Yeah, you know, the term natural, you, you brought up free range as being a term that's somewhat diluted at this point. Natural is kind of the same way. It doesn't really have any specific meaning behind it. And these were all supposedly natural foods, but uh, from what I saw, at least, you know, 95 plus percent of them were you know, pretty highly processed and, you know, natural, I guess, is open to interpretation. But, you know, there was everyone from Cargill there to Stonyfield. And then for us to have a a little booth down at the, at the bottom floor, you know, it was, it was exciting. Um, we're a, a farm and the only nationally distributed, truly pasture-raised egg, so... In a sense, we're a national brand like they are, although on a much different scale. But it was a lot of fun. Well, that's good. Yeah, well, I mean, it was it was great to meet you there and you know, to see all the products and hear about what's uh, what's coming up for Vital Farm. So now, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about how you got started with Vital Farms? Well, my business partner, Matt O'Hare, he actually started the farm. He purchased some property in South Austin in 2007 and um, found a nice 27-acre piece of property that's just outside the city limits, although it's only 10 minutes or so from downtown Austin, which is kind of unique. That land was floodplain, meaning uh, we had an Onion Creek running through it, and at any given time, with the heavy rain, the property can flood, and so there wasn't a whole lot of useful things you could do with it in terms of setting up any permanent structures um, and that type of thing. So it makes sense that our style of farming uh, would work on on an otherwise fairly useless piece of property. Um, He had had and still does have, uh, you know, some friends in in Whole Foods being from Austin for a long time. It's a pretty small town. And with Whole Foods being headquartered here, he knew that – they had a desire for the next level of egg on their shelf. And that, as you set up at the the, uh, beginning of this interview, you know, that's pasture-raised. We have cage-free, we have free-range. But they wanted um, really the the next evolution of that from an animal welfare and quality standpoint, and that is a pasture-raised egg. Um, But the only people that were currently producing them, at the time anyway, were, you know, small family farms that may supply one or two stores for not even uh, a year-round basis. So the idea was born to 
try to build a, a national brand that can consistently supply the highest quality egg from birds that live outside all the time. And that's what uh, he had in mind, bought this property, and I uh, joined up with him in 2009, and we took the operation from, you know, a, a few hens on one small farm serving a few restaurants in Austin and farmer's markets and that type of thing, figured out the model we wanted to use, uh, whether we wanted to, to go out and operate more farms ourselves or what we decided to do was to find the right small family farmers to work with who could um, produce according to our really strict guidelines that we had developed over two or three years in terms of pasture rotation, the density of birds, how much space do they require, etc. And so over these last three or four years, we've uh, expanded to about 15 family farms now. We've got a network of really great producers, some of them with several thousand birds, some with as few as 2,000. And we're spread out regionally now. We have four producers in Georgia. We have um, four or five in Arkansas and Oklahoma area, another four here in South Texas, and looking to keep going. We would like to you know, spread out across the country to be as regionally uh, focused from a supply standpoint as we can. And um, Whole Foods is our big account. They've been very, very great for us. Um, uh, we're now in, I believe, every store um, in the continental U.S., the Whole Foods, uh, of Whole Foods. So that's about 300 with our Vital Farms brand, pasture-raised organic egg. And that has really allowed us to expand, create a national brand, and, you know, part of that, a big part of that for us is education and doing exactly what we're doing now, letting people know what pasture-raised means, the difference that it can make in their health, and what it means for the birds out on pasture, too, to have a, a real life instead of really a pretty tortured existence. And we, we like to say that... Uh, you know, the laying hen is probably the most animal, you know, around the world and definitely in the States, unfortunately. But we try to, to give them a different type of existence, and we think that translates through, you know, through shelves like Whole Foods on the people's plates. And uh, it feels really good to get up and do that every day. Wow, that's certainly, yeah, a lot, uh, lot about uh, what you do. And what you bring up that you're right that there's kind of um, there's a lot of s small farms that are pasture raised um, before you know you can find it like farmers markets and Whole Foods was pretty much how I discovered Vital Farms as well as reading about you guys in the uh, cornucopia and I mean that is um, that you're sold at Whole Foods and also sold year round because I find a lot of these small farms you find at farmers markets you know there's there's a time when it's in season and you don't always see them at the farmers markets, so I like that. You know, I can always see Vital Farms at the at the Whole Foods, and and now I remember at the Natural Products Expo, you were telling me about how you're looking at getting a farm in California. Yeah, we've been working on that for a while. Um, you know, our our base of operations has always been Texas, and then soon after that, um, over the last three years or so, it's, we've had production in Arkansas and Oklahoma. And that's nice because it's centrally located and, you know, as we're distributing out to the Far East and, and West, you know, at least it's somewhat in the middle. We're not exactly pushing product across the country, but we are over a lot of it. And, you know, there are some food miles on the eggs. And, you know, we, we want to be as close to um, the point of sale and the customer as possible. So um, we've had birds on the ground in Georgia, which helps us serve the southeast and Florida and the eastern seaboard regions uh, a little more directly. And California is a place we've wanted to be for a long time. And it's just been a matter of finding the right people to work with. You know, this is not a conventional style of production. It requires a lot more land, a lot more labor and human interaction with the birds. And, you know, there's a payoff to that, but not everyone is set up to achieve it. And specifically where the pasture is so important, um, it's not just that they're outside. They have to be the, the birds, the girls or the ladies, as we call them, 
have to be kept on fresh green pasture with meaningful vegetative cover. And you can't do that year-round in very many places. You know, uh, a lot of it's down to how hot it gets in the summer or cold in the winter, how much rainfall is available. So we've been looking at northern California for a long time, and we think we're getting close, and that's good news. Um, it's a natural place for us to have uh, production, and hopefully um, by the end of this year, we have um, Vita Farms ladies on the ground out there. We're excited. Oh, absolutely. It sounds a lot to be excited about. And certainly, you do have to find the right farm because, like I said at the beginning, um, not all of these, uh, you know, these chickens that are, you know, said to be raised on, uh, you know, open areas, free range, as, as is the common term, are the same. And so, I'm sure, you do have to find ones that, you know, truly fit the definition of being pasture raised um, and not just, not just free range. And so, there's, I'm sure, you know, takes a little time to find find the right farm that that fits your principles. It does, you know. It, it's easy to understand how I'll call it conventional egg production got to be where it is. You know, it's much more economically um, efficient, I guess, to have a much higher density to put the birds in barns and make everything automated. So it's easy to understand how it came to be. But once the those operations are are in place. You know, those investments are made and that infrastructure is on the ground and, you know, people who are already greasing eggs, they may be using that style of production and that's that's a sunk cost to them. And so it's, it's a little hard for us to find uh, the right situations. But, um, you know, we're, we're excited about Northern Cal. It's, it's a place where uh, we wouldn't have to take a season off. You know, it, it would be hard to have a pasture-raised egg in Minnesota in February. You're just not going to do it. And so wherever we do locate production, that's really the primary consideration is uh, um, can we do it consistently year-round? So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Northern Cal is, is a great area for a lot of these uh, for all these organic farms. I mean, that's where I'd say most of the products I buy come from. It's uh, hard to find ones in, uh, in, in Southern California area and certainly um, – yeah, I support local, but also um, if it's something that's a little more regional, regional that has better practice than any of the local area, I say that can, can be more important than actually being, you know, necessarily in a 100-mile radius. I would definitely agree with that. You know, uh, local vores, the whole movement, and local food, slow food, it's, it's very important, and we all need to support that. But um, I think... There's a context for it, too. You can take it to, you know, I think too far of an extreme. Texas is a big state, for example, and let's say you have um, a certain item being produced in northern Texas, and they want it down in El Paso or in the Panhandle, and that's that could be three or four hundred miles away. Yeah, but if it's, you know, a Texas product, that would be considered local, pretty much statewide, even though it's coming several hundred miles. Whereas if you want to sell that product in Oklahoma City across the state border, but maybe only 100 miles away, if it's in a different state, it wouldn't be considered local, even though it's much, much closer than, you know, where it could be going within the same state. So I think a regional focus makes a lot of sense. I know retailers like Whole Foods are migrating toward that. You know, let's be as local as we can, but at the same time, um, it's from the same, a little bit broader geographic area. It makes a lot of sense to, to promote that kind of thing. Right. Now, another thing I remember you were telling me about was that um, you're going to start selling it in uh, other stores in addition to Whole Foods and under a um, a new name. That's right. Uh, that brand is called Pasture Verde. It's something we've had available for the better part of a year now. And it's the same egg from the same farms, same everything, just a different label on the carton, and that's all. And um, the reason we're doing that is um, what happens with Whole Foods a lot of times is that they will make an investment, not um, not directly, but they will support a new brand like Vital Farms was three or four years ago, put a lot behind it, um, help educate the consumer, 
and really get us uh, get a foothold. And then other retailers will come in who maybe weren't so forward thinking, and then carry the product as well, and and thereby benefit from you know effort that Whole Foods had put in to kind of in some cases take a swing on on something new and a little bit cutting edge. And so more as a favor to Whole Foods than anything. Uh, with kind of trying to keep the Vital Farms brand somewhat specific to Whole Foods and uh, have our Pasture Verde uh, brand in other retailers. There is some crossover. You know, the Vital Farms brand is in other retailers already, especially in Southern California. But it's more more a favor to Whole Foods than anything. But if you see Pasture Verde on the shelf, it's, uh, it's still the best of the best. It's the same farms as the vital farms eggs are coming from right because certainly i've seen the uh, the path the um the vital farms uh in a couple of the independent natural food stores in california i've seen them there um and also i see that you have a new design on your cartons for vital farms we do you know for a long time we were you know it's a fairly bootstrapped operation, meaning we didn't have a big pile of money to go do everything bright and shiny, you know, from the get-go. So we operated for over three years, I think, without even having a real logo. And as a consumer product or one that, you know, there's a sea of options on a shelf and you're trying to get a shopper to, you know, be drawn to yours and take it off the shelf and put it in their basket. You know, that's, something you really need, and uh, we just relied on the strength of pasture raised being what it is and people turning more and more um, to options like that uh, as part of the, I guess, the burgeoning awareness of where our food comes from. But anyway, we got a logo. We had saved up and, and invested in that and starting to incorporate it on our packaging. And our website, we just have a, a refreshed website, actually, uh, right before we met you at Expo, we were able to get a redesign on our website and have our logo on there, have a lot of a crisper look, more pictures and information. So check that out too, vitalfarms.com. Right. And actually at the um, – I was at Whole Foods last night actually uh, getting uh, some more of your eggs, and I saw – that was when I saw the uh, the new carton with the new design had uh, had have been released and actually it looks like it's uh pretty popular um maybe the maybe the new cartons actually uh you know people are really uh, attracted to it because um I was there a little late at night and actually there was like just one left on the shelf so I think that it it shows that it's pretty popular at least uh you know in the whole foods in that I've been going to in LA and I imagine oh, I imagine I similar ones in others dozen. Yeah, I hope you got the last dozen. Uh we, you know, it's kind of a, it's not as slick and fancy as a lot of packaging designs out there, but, you know, we're, we try to, we strive for transparency and, uh, you know, that's part of everything we do, whether it's the website or talking about our style of production like we're doing now. Um, or, you know, just trying to, to show, give people a mental image of what our farms really are like, and that's what our carton tries to get across to people, is that, you know, this really is an open-air out on green pasture style of production. And we put the little Vital Farms news insert in every carton of eggs we sell. That's uh, not a cheap thing to do, but it's all about educating people and giving them a clear line of sight to where that egg is coming from and how it was raised. And um, we think the Vital Farm newsletter goes a long way. We try to update it every two or three months, and um, we get a lot of response from it. And it's something people can share with other people and uh, kind of get the word out about, hey, cage-free, free-range, what you're really after here is pasture-raised. And that's the message we, we try to push with that little, little piece. I love the news inserts. Um, I mean, always when I open a new carton, it's, uh, it's always great when I see that in there. And I have the website up now, and we'll try to make – a website uh, look as good as we can on a radio, but I just want to kind of explain what uh, what you've been saying about the uh, the new website. Um, it has in the left uh, upper corner it has the Vital Farm circle and then a little like uh, kind of like beams of sunshine around it, which I think is 
is a perfect way to exemplify it. Plus, then to the like um, below the uh, the vital farms is you know pictures of the grass, which I mean that's how chickens should be raised is you know getting uh, getting enough sun and in the grass. So I think I think the design is uh, is brilliant to really exemplify what uh, what pasture raised and what vital farms is about. Well, thanks a lot. We're pretty happy with it, proud of it. And uh, luckily we were able to find a really talented designer who was willing to barter a few eggs to <laughs> give us a, a good price, something we can afford. But uh, we're real happy with it. That's great. And also it says, what is pasture raising? A better egg, uh, colon, flavor and nutrition, the happiest hens in the world, which, I mean, that, again, that explains perfectly the idea. And now, because as I've said earlier, you know, most people I think now have heard the whole term free range. That's become kind of a uh, common use thing. Um, do you think the term pasture raising is catching on with people and more people are identifying that? Other companies are using that as well? It definitely is, and that's a good thing overall. We we are trying to be, not that it's our term per se, but we do want to shepherd it to the degree that it it, it won't get diluted or, you know, become something uh, less than what people think of when they see that term. So with the, uh, you know, the increase in popularity of grass-fed beef, um, grass-finished meats, that type of thing, you know, the equivalent on the egg side is pasture-raised. And very simply put, the way we like to describe that to people is that is an outdoor bird with indoor access, not the other way around. And that seems to encapsulate it because people who do just a little bit of scratching around the surface of a term like free range, it, it means this is a barn-raised bird. That barn may happen to have a door on it with some type of uh, area outside. It doesn't necessarily mean a lush rolling green hill. In fact, it's not going to be. It's, it could be concrete or, you know, a wooden, a wooden uh, little deck area, something like that. But, um, yeah, pasture rays, that's, uh, that's what we mean by it. It means they're on um, actual grass because they consume the grass and anything that, that grows in it, be it mustard greens or grasshoppers that happen to live there. They love all that stuff. A chicken is a very effective omnivore, and it all makes a better egg, but they're, they're very voracious. And if you put them on an area of grass, that grass is going to be gone within a week or two. And so you have to either move their house onto fresh grass or push them over onto another section of pasture that's accessible from their barn. And both styles of, of setup can work, and we employ both on our, on our farms across the country. But um, if you leave them on the same piece of ground their entire life very quickly, it's going to be um, compacted, no vegetation at all, a lot of manure buildup, a lot of the same ills that you find in a barn-raised situation. So when we say pasture-raised, we mean fresh pasture all the time, every day. Um, you know, with the exception of, you know, in Texas, we can actually get some pretty cold weather and maybe a little light dusting of snow that usually doesn't last more than a day. In that case, the birds would be inside. But... Um, on the whole, that means the bird is is outside 99.9% of the time. Right, and I think that's understandable. That sometimes have to be inside because, I mean, you know, especially if it's raining. And so certainly we want the birds to be around and if they need to be inside for a day. But um, certainly for the most part, they're outside in the pastures. And certainly your new line, Pasture Verde, I think will help bring, you know, get more people familiar with the term Pasture raised. I mean, pasture verde. Um, verde is Spanish for green, so green pastures. I think that just that's such a much more um, accurate term of how these hens should be raised than you know simply because like free range. I mean, you have to think, well, what does that really mean? Okay, they're they're free, so they're not in cages. I mean, because then you also see the ones that say cage free, but it's like really, what's the range? I think pastures. You see exactly where they're living greener pastures um, much more accurately describes the term. Yeah, that's what we're going for. And uh, 
like you had alluded to earlier, it does make a better egg. And in fact, it's an entirely different product that you get from an outdoor bird where there is meaningful vegetation um, to consume, lots of other things, bugs, berries, seeds, earthworms, that type of thing. Um, as well as you mentioned uh, the sunlight, you know, vitamin D, they absorb that through through the skin, and that helps in calcium conversion and all sorts of other um, processes inside that make the bird healthier. They generally live longer. They produce more prolifically, we have found. And, of course, the egg that you get about every 28 hours or so when a bird is, is laying in her peak, it's much more nutritionally dense than a conventional egg, and there have been studies on this. Um, the main one that, that we like to cite is, is a study Mother Earth News did back in 2007, and I believe they came back and updated it in 08 as well, where they looked at something like a dozen pasture-raised egg farms, made 50 eggs, uh, and collated their nutritional analysis for those pasture-raised eggs, compared it to that of a conventional egg where it's, you know, an animal that never sees a blade of grass, never even sees natural light in most cases, much less fresh air. And um, that confined existence, you know, the egg that you get out of an animal is, is a very different one from from what you have off pasture. You know, you mentioned the orange yolks and there's a textural difference, of course a flavor difference, but nutritionally the pasture-raised egg is really what you want to be eating. Yes, and it's a thing that very much, because um, a lot of what I talk about in my program, a big part of it is about, you know, attacking the, the standard American diet, uh, SAD or its initials, which it's sometimes referred to, um, because a lot of the th- things I talk about, you know, and a lot of these, these Western diseases, it's all based on, you know, American, uh, the processing and big agriculture. I mean, you go to other countries, you see there... Um, that an orange yolk is is a standard there. I mean, even in, you know, and I think it seems even more like you know, Canada um, as a thing that we really need to get at where the standard that all eggs in America, they should be the, the orange yolk, that that's, you know, that these these ye- light yellow yolk, that's, that's not acceptable. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's a little more nuanced than that even. Um, uh, it, at least in our case, where each bird is left to basically do what they want all day. And you may have a bird that, um, for whatever reason, eats more of uh, the feed ration that day and, and does less foraging on pasture. And you may get a little paler yolk. And in fact, what you may see a lot of times is variation even within the dozen eggs that you buy. You may find some of those yolks that are dark and some that are lighter. And that's because each bird is an individual and it's funny how much they can vary. Uh, personality-wise, people who've been around chickens in their backyard or they grew up with them, you know, they'll tell you uh, they're pretty, they're characters, you know, um, because they're not all the same. And it also varies, you know, the, the, the yolk color can vary with the time of year, the type of grass growing, whether or not you're in a record drought uh, like we were last summer in Texas, we had arguably the worst drought uh, in history going on, and we're still kind of in the throes of it, or at least we're we're at a deficit water-wise from it. So, you know, if the pasture isn't as lush given weather conditions, uh, or you have a Bermuda grass as opposed to a thicker, you know, rye or fescue that has more beta-carotene in it, um, the yolk color can can vary. For those reasons, too. But generally speaking, what you described is exactly what we strive for, and that's why we move our birds so much. That's why we take such good care of our pastures and irrigate where we can. We don't leave the birds on them too long, so they come back quicker and thicker and healthier, so that the next time that bird is on that piece of ground, there's a lush, really green cover that they will consume, and, and the cycle is there. You know, you get the the orange of the oaks next time. So, right. Oh, certainly. Um, yeah, certainly. I've noticed like different uh, different colors in the in you know different eggs, but yeah, you know, generally I find that like all of your eggs have certainly a um, like you know a darker yolk than you see from more of these these you know commercial uh, eggs from from the bigger uh, you know bigger poultry companies. 
absolutely. That's that's what we're going for. Well, that's great. And so now the past the um, pasture verde is that being sold in stores now? It is. Uh, it's available really nationwide through our, our main distributor. And this um, may not interest the casual consumer, but uh, we're available through UNFI. They're the largest natural food distributor in the country. And we're looking to get into other distribution channels that other retailers um, um, pull supply from. And so if there's anyone listening who isn't near Whole Foods or uh, wherever they're shopping doesn't have a good pasture-raised egg available to them, feel free to ask your dairy buyer, you know, the person who stocks the counter or the manager of that store. They really do listen, and if their consumers want a real egg, a pasture-raised egg, then they'll try to go find it, and their first phone call is going to be to their distributor who brings them product several times a week in most cases. So um, we're trying to get uh, placement in uh, all of the major distributors. And so really stores shouldn't have an excuse for not carrying a real egg. And uh, a lot of times those, those decisions are made centrally at a higher level than the store level. But, you know, the feedback does percolate up from what customers want. And, uh, I, you know, I see that all the time. We shop at uh, a place like Costco, for example. A couple of years ago, we didn't buy a whole lot of food there, but now we, we can because there are just exponentially more organic options at a place like Costco. Even. And if a big uh, a big outfit like like Costco can do it, then you know certainly smaller ones can can too. And uh, so yeah, the pasture verde. Um, please ask for that. And help us get on more shelves. Mm-hmm. I am seeing that certainly in um, in the more conventional grocery stores. They're carrying a bigger line of organics. Like in Los Angeles, two of the major conventional grocery stores. One is Vons, and the other is Ralph's. And Ralph's in uh, in some areas where they find it economically viable, they have these ones where it actually says in the front Ralph's Fresh Fair, where they have a, a kind of a, you know section of organics and, and natural foods. Um, and I think I think actually the best one uh, as far as conventional stores is with organics is Vons, which uh, their parent company, Safeway, they make a number of lines of organics. And I'm really seeing a lot more. And although I do, I do most of my shopping at like Whole Foods and farmer's markets and the independent natural food stores in Los Angeles, but, you know, sometimes, um, you know, because some of these conventional food stores, they're open a little later and so they're the only ones open or I just happen to be closer and I like I need one thing. I will go to them and a reason that I would actually urge people to to not totally avoid these is that they do sell these great organic and natural products and you know if you go there simply to buy them then you're you're showing what you like about them, which encourages them to do more. And you can also do things like this. In fact, uh I plan to do that next time I go to Ways conventional stores ask them about selling the pasture verde, and so certainly I can give you guys a little boost and you know, give encouragement, so then uh, they can actually get more of my service there. That's how it happens, you know. Uh, they they will respond to trends and to what their shoppers want to see. And Michael Poland, perhaps he says it best um, when he describes every dollar that we spend, whether it's at a grocer or you know, even the restaurants and certainly markets and things, every vote, uh, every dollar rather is a vote for what type of food system you will be supporting. And uh, I think it's important that we consider it that way. Right. Well, love Michael Pollan. I mean, he's a big influence on on how I've gotten involved in all of this and certainly the name of appropriate omnivore, like Michael Pollan's Omnivore's Dilemma. And now, in Michael Pollan's book, he talks about you know going to visit the farms to uh, to know to know your suppliers. So now, Vital Farms, these farms now they're they're open to visitors. Most of them. Well, it's funny you say that. Uh, our flagship farm, the one that we own and operate here in South Austin, we're having um, a big farm tour this Saturday. So in just a couple of days, we'll have we're expecting between probably fifty and a hundred people. Uh, to show up for a couple hours and, and um, you know, we'll 
show them how we move a flock. We'll possibly, you know, let them gather their own eggs, that type of thing. So, uh, yeah, we try to do that. Um, it's all up to what what each farm is able to handle. Uh, for example, some are quite large, you know, in terms of acreage and number of birds. They may have two or 3,000 birds, but only, um, you know, one or two people working it because uh, they, they don't have a lot of excess labor. You know, they're trying to um, keep their costs down. And it may be a little harder for some, some farms to accommodate. But, yeah, we like to do that because it's, it's about transparency. And, you know, whereas um, there, are, there are laws being uh, considered, and I think they've been passed in some cases, but, you know, wouldn't allow you to see inside the, the walls of, of certain farms and farms. We want to be the opposite of that. You know, a lot of our farms, pretty much all of them, you, could, you drive by the road and down the road and see exactly what we're doing, and that's what we're about. So we try to do that every once in a while, um, have people out and, uh, yeah, help educate. Hmm. Can you explain a little more about these laws that were passed that allow people to, to not be able to visit farms? Because it's kind of actually, uh, I don't know, maybe I've heard somewhat about this, but kind of interested to know more of what this is about. Well, you know, it's the whole influence that very, very large and, you know, well-financed industrial uh, scale agricultural companies can have. And I don't, I don't have it uh, on the tip of my tongue because we just, we don't really deal with that. We're on the other side of the spectrum, but I, I know there's at least pending legislation if it's not in place that would, you know, not allow cameras and things inside. Um, oh, right. Yeah. The ag gag bills. Yeah. Ag gag, that's probably it. And, you know, those things can be in place, but information still gets out. I don't know if you saw, uh, I think it was today in the times, um, read an article about um, another expose that the uh, the people at um, the Humane Society have uh, been able to, to call off. It was actually, I'm at my computer here, I'll pull it up as we're talking. Um, yeah, the Humane Society, they have another undercover investigation that they're going to be putting out, I believe, today or tomorrow, um, where they had someone go in to an egg facility and document the conditions there. Um, you know, it was, uh, I won't name the producer, but it's another one of these situations where somebody gets a position, stays there for a couple months, documents it, and then, and then people get to see from the inside the life that is afforded these animals that work pretty hard to produce food for us every day. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a shame, um, and we try to be the antithesis of that. Right. Now, earlier you were talking about how, as you are based in Austin, have you found that Austin is basically like, um, the perfect city and it's, it's very much the right city to launch a business like this? It really is. Uh, Austin has a certain reputation for being you know, entrepreneurial and, and also fairly um, progressive in its in its approach to a lot of things, kind of like a Portland or like a Bay Area of California, kind of out at the forefront of things. And it's it's a little big town. That's the way I like to, to think of it. It's you know not a several million um, people metroplex, but it's it's kind of the epicenter for a lot of this movement. Um, in addition to those places that I just mentioned, it's um, people are. Uh, pretty progressive in, in what they're aware of and what they're wanting. So it's been a really natural place for us to to have our operations face. Right, because I mean, as you said earlier, it's the same place where Whole Foods started. So certainly, I'm seeing that you know it is a city to to start a lot of you know businesses that have a more sustainable practice and certainly is um, even at the expo in Southern California, the big trade show we were talking about earlier, uh, in that little basement area where the new and up-and-comers were, I think out of a couple hundred tables, at least there were six to ten that were from the Austin area, including us. There were a couple couple more um, 
on the same row that we were, and that was really great to see. Oh wow, that's wonderful! Really getting out there and really at the forefront of this thing. So yeah, did you know some of those other companies that were at the at the hot products section? Yeah, sure did. There was um, uh, Lucky Layla's. They do a, like a drinkable yogurt that's really top shelf. Um, there was a the hummus company. There were some people uh, selling chocolate that you know we kind of know. Austin's fairly small town, so we're in touch with a lot of the food production going on, and, and so it was great to see it. You know, Austin was well represented, and then culinarily speaking too, we're you know with uh, the Top Chef series that just wrapped up the season. It was based in Texas, and actually the guy who won is a chef here in Austin, and you know we serve a lot of those restaurants uh, to get our eggs and uh, so big part of the food scene and we're proud to, to be part of that here in Austin. Right. I remember when I was uh, was there, you had mentioned that Paul Key had won, which um I mean he was the one that I was rooting for to to win it and then when I heard that uh that he you know uses Vital Farms eggs, I was like, Wow, uh as if I couldn't like this guy anymore. Um that's wonderful because <laughs> yeah, I, I love the show Top Chef. That's one of my favorite you shows. Know, like the one we don't have cable, but we watch it over the internet. Yeah, it's, it's probably the one series that we ever watch. You know, so that's the one we look forward to. But um, that's actually a growing part of our business. You know, is uh, food service. So there are institutions like the University of Texas, for example, or St. Edwards, which is another university here in town, um, as well as. It doesn't even have to be fine dining restaurants. Uh, a lot of breakfast taco places use our eggs. And, you know, people who want an organic, high-quality taco in the morning, you know, they're going to seek that out. And they will pay an extra quarter or whatever the cost is um, to get it, to know what they're putting into their bodies. And so we're hoping to, you know, expand that part of our business as well as, uh, you know, to, to serve restaurants because, uh, you know, People want to know what they're getting. And you see that featured more and more with, you know, a a nice restaurant list where they get their, you know, their beef or their chicken and what's the farm's name and where is this coming from. So um, that's been good for us, too. Yeah, you do. You see more of those restaurants that list, like, uh, where the farms that the, the meat and the vegetables came from. And I've seen that actually a lot of these top chefs have, have a commitment to to organics and to better ingredients because, like uh, Richard Blaise, who won the previous season, he uses grass fed beef at his burger restaurant Flip in Atlanta. So certainly, I think these chefs are great uh, spokesmen for for the cause. Yeah, I think I recently heard that about him, and uh, you know, it is more and more common when you see an up and coming chef. A lot of times, their philosophy is to you know, promote what is local and in season and sustainably produced. And that's what we need to be doing, you know, all of us. So uh, we we like to work with them, too, to make sure that the customer knows that, you know, they can get a Vital Farms egg from this place. Like Kirby Lane is a good example here in Austin. It's a, kind of a breakfasty 24-7 type of place, really high quality, uh, but open all, you know, 24-7 and, can always get breakfast there with, you know, good eggs. <laughs> so we'll work with them to get signage up and to help educate the customer. And, you know, um, so more and more, hopefully, we'll keep seeing that. I really want to visit Austin now because it just sounds great, all of these all these restaurants. And, yeah, certainly I want to. I do want to visit Austin sometime and, and take a tour of, of the farm. Well, you've got an open invite. And then we can go hit the food trailer scene and <laughs> never even have to sit down at a, at a fancy restaurant. You know, the whole trailer thing we've got going on here is pretty neat. So uh, it would it would be a fun visit for you. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I definitely will uh, tap you off for some time, and I will, uh, I'll come out to visit. Well, it's been great to have you on the show. Um, before we go, uh, tell listeners where they can find uh, – Vital Farms and give them the web address and you know maybe mention uh, some stores where it's available. Yeah, um, vitalfarms.com 
we talked about we're pretty proud of our new look. Also, we're um, we're doing the social media thing. Uh, so Facebook, I think you can find us at Vital Farm Pasture Raised Organic Eggs. Kind of a long long one, but we're out there and try to keep people current with what's going on, um, sharing information. And uh, as far as where to shop to find us, um, in Austin there's a lot of places, you know, a lot of restaurants you might visit, but um, nationwide, of course, Whole Foods. Look for the Vital Farms dozen and the half dozen skew. So a lot of people may not eat, you know, very many eggs, and so a little six-pack would be plenty for them, so we have that option available. And you can also find Vital Farms in Southern California, specifically at Jimbo's, uh, Mother's Markets. Uh, they've been great for us. Pasture Verde is hopefully going to be um, more and more available across the country. I know it's at PCC. That's, I think, the largest co-op in the country. That's in the Pacific Northwest. They've been really great for us, too. Earth Fair is a, is a uh, really nice natural grocery chain kind of in the middle bit of the country. They have Pasture Verde now. So, um, yeah, and if you don't see it, please tell your store, those grocery buyers, uh, you know, to go out and find it and, and get it for you. Absolutely. That's an important thing for listeners to hear is uh, you encourage uh, encourage your, your favorite store to uh, make sure they carry Pasture Verde eggs because they do listen well. It's been wonderful to have you on, Jason. Um, it was great. I mean... You know, it's certainly uh, one of the big products I use, so we're glad to uh, have you on the show and to uh, to explain more. Um, so certainly uh, I know I'll be making a lot with uh, Vital Farm eggs soon, uh, but before I do that, I have to go to our desserts for the show. So thank you, Jason. And now for our desserts. This upcoming week is Earth Week. The official day, Earth Day is April 22nd. And the timing of Earth Day also happens to be the last day that fellow Californians can sign the petition for a ballot measure requiring GMOs to be labeled. Please help get 800,000 signatures so this can be a ballot measure in November. For more information on where to sign it or how to get involved, visit the website at www.labelgmos.org. This Tuesday, the documentary Farm Again will be released on DVD. Farmageddon tells the story of a child whose allergies and asthma disappear after consuming raw milk and real food from farms. It also shows how governments are raiding food co-ops and private buying clubs to obtain raw milk and real foods. You can pre-order Farmageddon on Amazon. Lastly, L.A. Green Drinks will be holding its annual Earth Night event this Thursday at the Jeannie Madsen Gallery in Santa Monica. You'll be able to get some wonderful drinks by the eco-bartender, Green Earth Radio's own Michelle Green Queen Carol. You'll also be able to see some amazing art made from reused items, and you can learn how to take action with a number of environmental issues. Also, mix and mingle with people interested in all types of green issues. I'm an organizer for Green Drinks, so I'll be there to talk to you one-on-one about how you can eat more appropriately. For more information on all of these events, as well as the news stories that I talked about earlier, you can see this on my website, appropriateomnivore.blogspot.com That's all for now. See you next week with the Appropriate Omnivore on Green Earth Radio.